you're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch our problematic faves and talk about why we can love them anyway. Does that... I kind of stole it from you, Jody. to be clear. I was I was uh, floundering over here a little bit about how to introduce this one. Is that... You think that's how you would have... Uh... That's probably where I was going with this. I, uh... Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting one. I feel like this yeah. is like... This is... <laughs> This is tapping into the, should I write a paper about this part of my brain? <laughs> Other people have done this already and better than I could, but I well, got I got academic with this one again. I, I love that our it's like a defense mechanism for us. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, I'm struggling. What, what has everybody else said? Yeah. I need what, help. what can I find on JSTOR? It is, this is the biggest example of a movie where I thought that I knew what I was going into. I was like, I'm ready. I know there's going to be some stuff that is, you know, a little problematic and yeah, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a feature, you know, of the, or not a feature of the time, but it's, it's a product of its time. And so, and then I was, I mean, maybe, maybe 15 minutes in and I was like, Oh no, mm-hmm. Oh no, this might be, but, but I think that you and I landed, I mean, listeners will come along our journey with us. I think today we'll kind of work through. Yeah. Um, this and we should probably first tell them though who we are and what we're doing oh my god so true <laughs> not that they don't know but i'm i'm andrea and i'm jody and we watched chasing, chasing amy. amy yeah 1997 kevin smith technically the third in his jersey trilogy as it's been called mm-hmm i, I saw this the first time it would have would have been at the height of my kevin smith love yeah um, I, I think i told Same. folks last week i saw dogma three times in the theater yeah i was deep in the in the smith lore and i would have been probably about 12 or 13 the first time i saw this movie and when i saw this movie i already knew clerks and Mallrats by heart yeah so i i feel like it's important to say that because i am coming from a place of very like not just love but like so much of who i am is shaped by these movies Me too. so it's, yeah, you know, I'm coming from a place of love as we talk about yeah. chasing Amy. Yeah, I think I texted you last night and said, um, I texted you and I said, I'm terrified we're going to have to shit all over this movie that meant so much to me. Um, because I, too, have a very deep love for Kevin Smith and and all that he has provided for Jersey mm-hmm. Kids. You know, the lore, the references, the feeling seen in cinema and like getting a modicum of respect for the shit that we grew up in. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I really was the first voice. And we have obviously obviously we have more now. And, you know, Jeremy Jasper come on our podcast. (laughs) Um, But I think we're just going to keep just keep layering Mm -hmm. that in there. But I think that. He was the first one to make me realize, like, yeah, we should be loud and proud mm-hmm. like, to be from Jersey, you know? Yeah. And, like, the the type of recognition that people like us got from watching Clerks and from watching Mallrats was really important. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about why this one was probably in some ways the most important to me, even though it is the most difficult also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
like you cannot overstate the impact of Kevin Smith on a certain generation of Jersey people. You just can't. Oh, and Lord, I have totally. lived for a very long time in fear of him being canceled just because <laughs> he's a straight white dude from that era. Yeah. And it tends to happen and it tends to happen to people that we love. And he, mm-hmm. and we should state outright, this is a Miramax movie. You right. know, this was bought by Harvey Weinstein during the period when he was doing all sorts of terrible at shit of his... at the height of his fucking right. rapist crime spree. Right. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is a fear, you know, and I think one of the things we're going to talk about later, um, this documentary, there is some stuff that comes out in the filming of that documentary that does not paint Kevin Smith in the best light, but it is not, he is a toxic rapist. It's that he right. was the type of guy that would make this movie in the 90s. Yeah. I, I mean, I, again, maybe we need like a, a little a counter clicker going. But like I, I love Kevin Smith. Yeah. But he is, you know, what's the best a straight white dude from the 90s making a film in the 90s at his age, which was pretty young at the 27, time. 27, yeah. Like, really thinking. I also, my my biggest thing for this versus his other movies, because it's like they all have the, like, kind of, like, that viewpoint. But this is the first one where he really tried to say something mm-hmm. that and, like, really tried to write from perspectives and point of views that weren't his own. Yeah. I mean, he said many times that, like, part of... There was, like, a few specific inspirations for this movie, right? And we should probably do a quick recap of it before we get Mm -hmm. too deep. But just to follow what you were just saying, like, his brother is gay. He was friends with a lot of gay people. You know, he was friends with Gwen Turner, who um, actually has a cameo in this movie, Mm -hmm. who is a filmmaker also, who's a lesbian. And she did have some... She didn't... She wasn't, like, a full-on script reader type, but she did have input when he was making this movie. He was in a relationship with Joey Lauren Adams at the time. And that has been often quoted as Mm -hmm. inspiration for, you know, the two characters of Holden and um, Alyssa. And so like all of those things, the gay brother, the relationship with Joey Lauren Adams and who, one of the reviews I watched of something online kept calling her Joey Lawrence Adams and it drove me nuts. Joey Lauren Adams (laughs) And his friendship with Gwen Turner, all of those things, like, are in the background of why he wanted to make this specific movie. And I do Mm -hmm. think he also has an interest in homosocial relationships and, like, Mm -hmm. friendships and love between men, obviously. Yeah. And so all of that is kind of in the background of this. And it's got a lot of shit in it that does not age well. But I, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that where I came down on this was with more love than discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um. Because I think the relationships are interesting. It's so much of what I struggle with is the specific words he puts. And I don't even just mean how free Banky is with with the all of his like homophobic. Jesus fucking Christ. The, the I word, forgot the, how bad that was. The D word. And I know yeah. also, I know, I know that it was 1997 yeah. and lots of people were way more free with those words. And that Kevin Smith is trying to like show a sort of, and that like queer people like use those words all the time and it's okay yeah, and if, part of and the, i think mm-hmm. i know where you're going with this yeah he's like trying to represent that you know in a way and like and that is it's an issue that like meh. some of it too is like it is so lazy to make 
the most homophobic character homophobic because they're in the closet. Oh my god. No, that is on my list. So it is so tired. Yeah. But it's also it was new for the time. Yeah. But I do think it's lazy and I have no patience for it. I know. And I, I never have. I know. Okay, what should we Yeah, Sorry, we what, should. <laughs> what's this movie about? Okay, so just a peek behind the curtain for our listeners. We're gonna do our usual recap of this movie, but then I have asked that we do sort of a recap of all of the the kind of like almost like bullet points of the problematic shit that's in this movie because it's been covered. And so I don't think we need to sit here and belabor endlessly the problems with the language and things like that. I think we need to acknowledge them and talk about them. But I think if we start with that, then we can kind of get into a deeper conversation of like why this movie is still important, at least to me and to a few other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So this movie (laughs) is about Alyssa Jones and not really though. It's about Alyssa Jones as seen through the eyes of two comic book writers uh, and a a comic book artist and a tracer. <laughs> fucking tracer. He's a fucking tracer. Uh, Holden and Benke, uh, played by Ben Affleck, with the worst goatee to, ever. Oh, my God. And all you really need to know about where Kevin Smith is coming from is that he named his protagonist Holden. Holden. No shit. Like yes. Kevin Smith, I my know. friend, come on. The self, the, the, um, the, I think I'm smarter than other guys jumped out, you yeah. know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Holden and Banky wrote a comic book about blunt man and chronic based on obviously, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, obviously. Uh, and they've got some mild success. They're living in Jersey together. They're working together. Um, they go to a Manhattan Comic-Con of, of a sort. They add a, you want to say something? I just love, like, we forget that, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. We probably, probably could find out, but like comic book nerds, those were what the conventions looked like up until a point, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I'm. I really liked seeing that. Like, the panel looks like any other... Yeah. Like, that's every panel I presented on in, in an academic conference. You oh, know what I yeah. mean? Like, the niche was that small. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I have presented in on panels in those rooms myself in a different... And it's fun to see, like... Right, it was such a niche thing back yeah. then. Well, and one thing that I read when I was doing some research on this, uh, the reaction to this film, was an interesting connection that was made by someone thinking about this, who was connecting the subculture of like nerd culture and like comic book culture to queer subculture Mm -hmm. and how in a way this movie is sort of, it is sort of handholding the, the straight white man and saying like, look, this is like that. Right. You know, like this is a thing like your weird thing, right? Right. People don't understand your underground culture yeah. and you have your own ways of being yeah. in community that, that the greater. And look and at like, how you dress and look right. at how the <laughs> queer people dress. Not that far off, guys. That's so funny. Yeah. Man, that is so funny. Yeah. Especially now considering the most, the loudest, most annoying people are comic book nerds Uh-huh. Now. Well, this was like, I mean... We can say good things about Kevin Smith. We can also say that in some ways this, like, nerd movement empowered the worst parts of certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so they're at Manhattan Comic Con to talk about or promote their Blunt Man and Chronic, whatever. And they show up at this 
sort of uh, minority panel or what is it? They called it something like that. It might just be called the mind. It is like very, it's like unheard voices or something. Yeah, that's not what we would call it. But um, yeah. And at this panel, they meet um, Alyssa Jones through Hooper, who is an interesting side character, a gay black man pretending to be a militant uh, straight man for his comics. We can dissect that or not uh we'll just kind of skip over it for now they meet Alyssa jones holden falls in love with her she finds out she is a lesbian um they become friends they have a friend montage um he's clearly falling in love with her um eventually this is starting to get in the way of his friendship with banky uh, Banky is a homophobic asshole through most of this. Yeah, he's through most of this movie obsessed with his best friend very openly and also a homophobic asshole. He's the fucking worst. I hated him in the beginning when I first watched yeah. this in 97 and I he does not redeem himself in a second yeah. or third or whatever, no. hundredth watch. He also shows a child hardcore pornography. I know. Banky should be in prison. Yeah, Banky is, is a uh, criminal. And a predator. He also, Literally. like, comments on a bunch of high school girls in yep. Catholic school uniforms. Jesus also, Christ. this was so fucking common back then. Anyway, not that it was good. It was just common. The the fetishizing of teenage girls. Yeah, um, absolutely. So his friendship with Banky is getting strained. He's in love with Alyssa. Um, eventually, they have a very histrionic confrontation in a car where he professes his love to her um, in a very long speech. I forgot how long that speech went on. My God. Again, Kevin Smith. Talk about being obsessed with yourself. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Where eventually he stops speaking and she gets out of the car in the rain and starts yelling. My favorite moment real quick. It was one of the laughs that I was tracking in this movie at first. I don't remember if I said this on mic or not, but at first I was very worried that uh, this movie was not going to hold up, um, and I started tracking every time I laughed because mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be so few and far between, which ended up not being the case. Um, like I said, I, I think we both came out on a more positive side of this than we were expecting mm-hmm. when we started watching. Um, but he says, I love you, and then there's a big ominous thunderclap. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a horror movie. Yeah. I thought that was a beautiful touch. Yeah. No, that was good. Um, so... She runs out in the rain, tries to hitchhike home, which even in the 90s was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, he chases after her. They have a confrontation. She basically says, like, um, she's pissed. She says, I'm gay. There's this whole speech about, like, I can't, I can't do this without throwing away whatever my life currently is and we'll talk about the implications of this conversation i'm sure but um and this is where to me the movie should have ended yes this is it right yep he falls in love with her she says no you idiot i am gay right we are friends and walks away Mm -hmm. instead she comes running back they embrace in the rain and now they're in a relationship and the relationship seems to go okay for a bit, um, but 
his insecurity about her past is what eventually dooms them. He seems to be fine with the fact eventually that she has slept with women, but then he finds out that, no, she has also slept with men in her past. He cannot handle that. It is, you know, his idea of what sex is is very heteronormative. And so it's like he thought she was a virgin and now she's not. So crazy. Again, even for 97, that conversation feels so like... I know, but I I, I really think it's very ninety seven to be honest with you. Um, it's rough, but it's it's of the time. Um, and so, um, his solution to her uh, experience versus his lack of experience, and the fact that he has realized that Banky is in love with him, is this perfect answer to everyone's problems where they all have sex. And then he feels more uh, adventurous and more on her level. So stupid. He's so stupid. He's so fucking stupid. And then Banky gets this out of his system or something. I don't know. But apparently this is going to solve all their problems. Um, This does not work for anyone other than him. Alyssa basically says to him, I am not your whore. Like... I don't want to share you with anyone. I'm sad that you would want to share me kind of bursts the bubble of his little uh, solution. It's so funny how quick she realizes what he's going to ask. Yeah. She says, like, please, please don't, don't do say this. it. Yeah. So early into yeah. the conversation. <laughs> yep. Um, and so she leaves. Banky leaves. Final scene we see is at the next Comic-Con event a year later, not maybe the next, but a a Comic-Con event a year later where Alyssa is signing her books. um, And we see that Holden has been changed by his, the woman in his life and has written a book that is finally personal called Chasing Amy uh, in reference to Silent Bob's (laughs) diatribe earlier. Um, (laughs) And she is back with a woman um, who seems like kind of a drip, honestly. The woman she yeah, does not seem like, like much fun. No, it's kind of like she's dating like the Holden, like, like do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I think we're, I think the implication is that Holden was like her soulmate, but mm-hmm. they couldn't be together. And now they're just moving mm-hmm. on. Like, um, and Banky is, Banky and Holden have dissolved their partnership and Banky is, doing some child comic about called something Dave. What is it Mm -hmm. called? Um, I want to say, Hey Dave. And I don't think that's it. No, it's called. You're right though. Baby Dave. That's it. Baby Dave. Um, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's the movie. Explaining that does not come close to talking about all of the, all of the very 90s issues that and very like straight male understanding of queerness of the mid 90s it's cuz manic pixie dream queer fucking it's seriously not, it's not it's not it she is not that in this movie it's just what holden wants her to be in this movie well she is thankfully some ways, not that she kind of is i would argue she's closer to that than i wish she was like there's a part I wrote I wrote down Manic Pixie Dream Girl a couple of times. <laughs> I she has more to her than that. And I, I do I agree with you on that. But I also think 
Like, she starts tap dancing at one point. Oh, that scene is... I'm like, what are you, Natalie Portman in Garden State? Yeah, <laughs> truly. That scene is... Or is Natalie Portman takes... in Garden State this? <laughs> yeah, right. It takes a, a long time for Alyssa to start to feel like her own character in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that the scene, scene when they... Where she, like, throws uh, the the ball and, like, yeah... In the, she's never heard of ski ball. Yeah. She grew up in Jersey. Like, yeah, she's like a, she grew up at the shore. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, she's a blank slate. Like, yeah, yeah. So, or at least that's how Holden sees her, and the movie sees her until, and un, really until you find out that she's had sex with Ben. Then suddenly she gets to be more complicated. It is yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. So, and also anything, anytime she gets to be herself, it's in a really fraught monologue which is really annoying her like monologues she only really are shrill just, they are <laughs> shrill use a, and to use a sexist long. word <laughs> but it's true yeah like she only really gets to express herself when she is either screaming at holden mm-hmm. about her identity or crying or or yeah or i was gonna say no this this part isn't true she only really gets to like because cause then sometimes she gets a long monologue where she's just describing sex to Holden. Yeah. <laughs> which is also annoying. Yeah. That scene in the park where it's like. It's rough. I, I know we're just kind of. I'm. I'm is, hold, are we in the part where we, we do all of our complaining? Is that what's happening? Because I have a big one. <laughs> I think we should be in that part. Uh, I do think that. That we could just complain randomly for a while and i think that we should maybe structure it a little bit around the more serious issues with the movie but well the one that i was about to complain isn't a more serious issue so i don't know where this goes well so go for it and i'll give you a category i just (laughs) i love this (laughs) i just think if you really pull back holden meets a queer woman at a panel they go to a bar together. He is annoying, but let's say they sort of hit it off. Mm-hmm. He finds out she's a lesbian. She finds out he's interested in her. Mm-hmm. And he's like kind of a shithead about it. He's mm-hmm. like a big shithead about it. And then she shows up at his office and wants to be friends. What? Just imagine well, she doesn't being... show up off. She invites him out. Right. Well, that's what I mean. This yeah. is when he figures she out that she's him. yeah that she he finds out that she's gay because that's when he and she and Banky have that scene that actually is kind of charming where you get to see Banky kind of like connect with her and they're sharing their stories yeah. in that like Jaws scene um, and he's such a grump that whole time. So I just think like if you're Alyssa, you see this guy who you're like, oh, he's a nice guy. Maybe we could be friends. Be a total shithead. Yeah. And then you're like, well, actually, I'm going to go to his work. I want to hang out with this guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's nothing but annoying. So I have a category and, for this. And then he's like, wait. And then they go to that park together. And he's like, please teach me everything. I'm going to tell you all of my terribly insensitive, dated. This is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl of it, where he's just such an oaf. And she is so patient with him. Yep. What's the category? The category for this is uh, the part of the movie where a man creates a woman that is there to uh, validate how how special he is. God, right? So she just sees something in this she sees miserable something lump. in this like really mediocre 
insensitive, backwards man, right? I mean, this is Kevin Smith writing his relationship with Joey Lauren Adams in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. She was not, she is not queer, but she apparently when they were dating was just much more worldly and experienced than he was. She lived abroad. She was like, and she'd had like lots of, uh, maybe not lots, but she'd had more relationship experience than him. And so it's this, it's this idea of like fetishizing this type of woman Mm-hmm. but then also controlling her and also being yeah. like, but you do want me mm-hmm. like, right. Cause I'm so special despite all of that, yeah. that you still want. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The idea it is that... really, that is really hard. The that idea... is almost the harder part for me than all the rest of the issues with this movie. Because all of us that grew up, uh, socially gendered female, but have like a, a queer bent have ended up in relationships. So I may be contradicting myself here, have ended up in relationships as far as I know with men adjacent to a Holden. Right. But looking back, it's like so clear to me that if she is as self-actualized as we're supposed to think she is in the beginning of the movie, that she would not be remotely interested in him. Yeah. No, no. Like it never would have gone beyond like a friendly darts game. And then she left and that was it. Yeah, and the, like, God, it's, there's just so much there because it's, like, also, I know everybody has said this, this movie, a lot of, no, I'm going to contradict myself, too. It's so complicated because I know people have said, like, the word, using the word bisexual would fix a lot of this movie. Mm. Um, it would also but take it out really, the whole, like, conflict in the movie, though. Exactly. It totally, it totally wouldn't. But it's, like, it, it's just so I don't know it really is and and I think it is okay for art to do to do what I'm about to say which is so much of this movie is Kevin Smith working through his own insecurities yes um it's just tr- the ways in which he does it are troublesome yes and I also want to point out I just looked this up um 1995 was the year of the famous uh Newsweek cover did you do you remember this, the bisexuality cover of Newsweek? I don't remember this. Oh my god, this is so famous. Um, it's a cover with three people on it: two men and a short-haired woman wearing a suit that says "bisexuality, not gay, not straight." A new sexual oh my god. identity emerges. So this is two years later that this movie yeah. came I out. Yeah, I mean, we still have like we got a ways to go still. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know that oh, the, the thing that makes this movie that it is a little more enlightened. I know we're still in the complaining section, but is that oh, again, you think the complaining section is only going to be like 10 minutes <laughs> is got that, some shit to say. Thank. I, I know you said you described her as kind of a drip and I agree, but she does thankfully end up with a woman at the end of this yeah this isn't the conversation that that this movie does it's so funny he's really trying to have it both ways because he is now man i'm really struggling because he does kevin smith and or holden like they do have the conversation of you think that i'm i don't know if she's the one who says i don't know where this conversation is had it might be hooper actually that that Alyssa is gay 
unless and until she finds the right man to turn turn her quote unquote straight. Oh, that's Banky right. says that more than once. And that is um, one of the main criticisms of this film from the queer community is this idea of turning a lesbian. Like Right. But but we know that she has slept with men in her past. Right. And we know that she ends up with or I don't I mean, I don't know Alyssa and her new partner's story, but at the very least she is dating a woman yeah. when we see her one year later. Yeah. So I think the real sticking that point that does Yeah. But the real sticking point for people with this movie was that she refers to herself as gay constantly. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. 1997, like gay now is a, is a different term than it was then in a lot of ways. People use gay to refer to lots of different queer identities, whether that's right or wrong. It's not my place right. to say. But like gay in 1997 meant same sex attraction right. and same sex right. relationships. And so... Well, and her community is all... Is all it's lesbians, like, yeah. And it's very, it's clearly very important to her. Yeah. Um, and them right you know right and so that is where the language part of it really gets everything tangled up you know Mm -hmm. because it's like she's a part of a gay community of women in new york they're actually at meow mix which was like a legendary like queer um lesbian bar in new york that has since closed um and so you know, there's this huge emphasis on her being gay and being a lesbian and feeling like, like, it's all set up for it to be like he turned her. And then later mm-hmm. on, it's like, oh, psych, she already would screwed around with men and like, you know, but they never say bisexual. So basically, like, they're, like you said, they're having it both ways. They're like, having this much more flexible sense of attraction um, and fluidity, but also using terms of the time, which are very rigid. And so right. it doesn't and work together. Right. And we're also supposed to think that the sex she had with men in her past were like aberrations or like, or like, like those were like, and for Alyssa too, it seems marks against her that like, that like Alyssa at her true self is a gay woman that she had sex with men because she, or again, there are so many different, this is. This is Kevin Smith working through stuff that he's not totally equipped to be working through, I think, because I'm start. What I was starting to say was like, they're like Mark's quote unquote, like against her and that Alyssa at her true self is a gay woman until she meets Holden, who is special enough to make her kind of turn on that. But at the same time, what makes Holden so like... Yeah, I I think this is maybe the biggest fault of this movie is that it's not totally sure what it's trying to say. So I feel like what you might be sort of getting at or referring to with her past is when she when they're at the hockey game and he confronts her about her having like a threesome with two guys in high school. Mm -hmm. She has this whole speech where she, she does defend herself. She doesn't let herself be slut shamed. Like, you know, she says like, I, you know, had these encounters for what I thought was love or for whatever my own reasons, you don't get to judge that, which that is sort of like what you, when you say like, He's having it a lot of different ways. One way, he's actually defending her from slut shaming. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time in that speech, she clearly has um she treats those high school encounters, relationships, whatever, with a sense of shame, even though she's saying she's not ashamed of them. Right. And, right. And they don't feel like they're 
she talks about how she didn't have any examples at home, right? There's all this like um, sexual deviance as response to trauma stuff that right. we're kind of being led to believe is under the surface here. Mm-hmm. And that con- completely contradicts what she's actually saying out of her mouth. Right. Right. And the way that it folds in her, like, her being a lesbian. Like, she doesn't say outright, and that's also why I date women. But that is. She's saying, like, it. she sort of says, like, if I had the roadmap you had, if I didn't have to figure it out myself, I would be a straight woman. And, and she also not... says the opposite of that. She says right. both things. Right. You know, she says, girls feel right to me. Right. Right. And, and so she's... It's literally like I can hear Kevin Smith in my head trying to just write this and make it make sense and not understand where any of it's actually coming from. Totally. You know? I mean, to me, the big problem with Alyssa is that she is a creation of of Kevin Smith, but also of, in some ways, Holden and, mm-hmm. you know, a reaction against... Banky, like I would never say that Kevin Smith is homophobic, right? Like this movie right, has right. a lot of homophobic shit going on in it, but it's like in his way, he is defending the queer people in this movie and making them protagonists. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so complicated and it's so 1997. Um, mm-hmm. So in in our little like problematic recap section, right? We've got Alyssa um, and her sort of engagement with her own sexuality. I th- do you have other things to say about the the way that – because you had mentioned the the way that she talks about her sexuality being, like, really troubling in some ways. Yeah, I just would like to spend just a little more time with that scene at the park yeah. because it is – it's exhausting to watch because it's also important to remember, like, they barely know each other at this point, And Holden feels so, like, um, such freedom to just say the most stupid, condescending shit about, mm-hmm. about sex between women and about what, like, real sex is. I think he does outright call her a virgin in that scene. Yeah. Which I, yes. I do think – I keep saying even for 97, that's pretty bad. But you're so right. No, it's not. It's – that's a real it's line. So accurate from 1987. It's, and it's something that some people still do believe. But she's so patient with him. Mm-hmm. She calls him on it. But she calls him on it in a very friendly, like, I, I just can't imagine Alyssa actually having a good time having this conversation. I know. But she seems to be. I know. Can I read you a quote? Yes, please. <laughs> I have, there's so many quotes that I found about this specific thing. Because this oh, is God. a real thing. Um, there's an article from BuzzFeed chasing Amy 20 years later by Shannon Keating, where it says it's much less a lesbian film than it is a clueless bros coming of age story that just happens yes. to have a lesbian character. Totally. And she exists for the most part in service of the straight dude, kickstarting his evolution without getting much in return. Ultimately, the film assumes that a lesbian can go straight, even if just for a little while, as soon as the right guy comes along. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. There's so many mentions of this this is from uh, an article uh in autostraddle called my rage at chasing amy helped me find my bisexuality which is a great title for a (laughs) article 
says, by the end of the movie, Alyssa has just been a vehicle for the personal growth of another cishet white man. He's learned to apologize, be less self-centered, and hopefully stop mansplaining sexual identity to his next partner, but her life is left virtually unchanged. Her new lover is dismissive of comics and doesn't understand her in the way Holden did. Mm. The ending was bittersweet in 1997 because it made me consider the longevity of my own relationship. Watching it now, I felt angry that Alyssa wasn't given a better new girlfriend and a chance to process her own feelings. She's a vehicle for yeah. the evolution of Holden. Yeah. I wonder if Kevin Smith knows he set her up with a real, like... Dud. <laughs> a real dud. Or if yeah. he's just like, I don't know, any old lady. Any old lady's good for her, as long as she ends up with a lady. Because she is kind of any old lady, right? Like, yeah. if they had brought... She, I think she's wearing a, like... In, in my head, she's wearing, like, an Old Navy performance fleece. I don't think she is. I think she's wearing, like, a proper vest. But it's like... But emotionally, she's wearing an Old Navy performance fleece. And, like, a mock turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if they had brought back the woman from the bar, right? That... <laughs> Who, however, though, I we're, she's th- – this is the thing that was confusing for me. Oh, there are a few things. Yeah. But one of them is I couldn't totally figure out what Kevin Smith thought of the women in this movie because that girl is like – I don't think he knew. She wants to dance. She's, like, kind of flighty. Yeah. Like, and, and Alyssa says, like, I'm not in love with her. Yeah. I'll fuck her. So, right. so it's like – you know, can Alyssa even really love a woman? And so she goes from this, like, kind of, like, like hot, dizzy blonde to a, a total bore snore. Yeah. Like, and are both of those because really her real love has is, is whole, like, yeah. I don't know. Well, we don't get any time for her to develop any relationships with anyone else. You know, right. like, we see this sort of sexual relationship with the blonde woman in the bar. And we see her with her group of friends. And we see them being judgmental of her, but we don't, they, none of them have individual personalities or identities mm-hmm. in relationship to Alyssa or on their own. I think they're all blonde too. <laughs> they're just like all blonde white women, which is really One funny. Of them has but like the Karen haircut, which is great. Right. <laughs> but like, yeah, none of them are given any moment to be a part of her life, right? Like mm-hmm. her entire existence is mostly in relationship to Holden and Banky. And so mm-hmm. we don't see her developing anything with anyone else. Like, I think when I rewatched it this time, Gwen Turner actually plays the MC at the bar, the woman that Kevin Smith mm-hmm. like was consulting. She's fucking hot in this movie. Like <laughs> to me, their brief interaction when she's bringing her up on stage, yeah. develop that a little bit and then yeah. have her show up at the end and be like, you know, just get a little bit more hinting that like there's something there. Bring her mm-hmm. in, you know, yeah. and she was a brunette. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, you're so right. That's the other other I not to defend Holden and this is going to get problematic in its own way that like that like the whole and this is a tired story that people still like to tell that like women and men no no matter the woman's sexuality can't be friends because a man is always trying yeah. to you know what I mean like but I do but it in this movie they aren't just like she clearly cuz she gives him this whole big speech when he tells her he loves her that like you know how how unfair that is and blah 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 but he's kind of right like you don't buy art at the diner for and then give a big speech about how like they they were dating you know what i mean just because she didn't call it that like there was a different kind of friendship happening there oh i'm so uncomfortable (laughs) because this is so tricky right like well that's what i mean it's both things are happening yeah. like she should be able to hang out with a dude yes. without him expecting that really she wants to fuck him but as we find out she does she does want to i know 
I know. So it's it's so complicated because so like, like at this time of my life, when this movie came out and when I was about the age of the people in this movie, you know, I had a lot of close friendships with men that were very complicated, mm -hmm. you know, and that had that sort of line that was constantly being danced on one side of or the, of or the other. And I think, at least in my case, I kind of didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like, I didn't right. know if this was a romantic thing or a friend thing. And I think part of why this movie has sort of resonated with certain people is because there's no clean, easy answer in any of this. Mm -hmm. Like, right. and that's real. Like right. that is closer to reality than any nice tidy tied up in a bow, like, um, you know, movie ending that we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's true. Like she is obviously has feelings for him beyond friendship, but also, there's a lot of toxic and, shit that comes along with being a woman, having a male friend who reads into things that are mm -hmm. not there and right. then exactly. becomes aggressive or other, you know. And she, I do believe that despite the relationship she's had in her past, she is living her life and feeling very much like she is... A gay woman, she is a lesbian whose community is and and who whose identity it's very important to her that right. that that's part of it mm -hmm. and 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 it's important to like I know the line for this movie and I said it myself is that like oh if only the word bisexuality existed but that's also not fair to Alyssa like if Alyssa whether she has dated men in the past or not if at this moment in her life mm -hmm. Alyssa is a lesbian and that's what she calls herself mm -hmm. then then like her her it's almost like her attraction or not to Holden is sort of beside the point really for the people outside it's not really up to us to say okay which I did just say I just said this but it's not really up to us to say like okay but she is clearly attracted to Holden and right. so then it's unfair of her to pretend otherwise but it's also but it's like not like if yeah she says she says to him like i i can't you know it's not just like a throwaway decision for me like this like turns my and, it, and it's also putting a lot on holden to say that like he's so whatever that like bringing him into her life would totally turn her world upside out I'm like but you know all of that is happening this is why i don't have an end to the sentence because <laughs> all of that is happening at the same time yeah so I don't know. I don't know. But that's, I think, I think even in this confusion of the conversation, we're getting at why this movie meant so much to me, right? Because none of this right. shit is simple. Right. And growing up as somebody whose sexuality doesn't fit into the norm, but it also mm. doesn't fit into the alternative to the norm. Right. And Right. Totally. You know, growing up at a time when 1995 there was a, a newsweek cover that was like the new sexuality right like and i really want our listeners to google this because they all look like straight up villains yes they do they're like the lit, light is wild. really dramatically yeah. they're all like yeah they look like sh like like watch out or the bisexuals will get you exactly and and i mean we don't need to i mean dissertations have been written about the portrayal of a bisexual person especially a bisexual woman as either a slut uh, on the way to a different decision, like, 
you know. They both are. A, a bisexual woman is just a woman who hasn't found the right man. And a bisexual man is a gay man who doesn't want to admit that he's gay. Those are exactly. the stories that have been told forever and never and ever. Right. And you can't trust someone who's bisexual. They're never going to stay faithful. Like all of this stuff right. is just there in the ether. Has been forever. But, but I think what people forget is that before the mid-90s, it wasn't even really a talked about identity. Like it existed, but it wasn't a part of our conversation like it is now. Like now we have these debates over like, well, is bisexual the same as pansexual? And like, is it about attraction? Is it about right. personality? Is it about right. gender? We've gotten so in the weeds with it. We've gotten so in the weeds with it that we forget that like there was a time not that long ago. Yeah, the Newsweek caption literally says, you may have already read this. I think so. But let's just really highlight not gay, not straight. A new sexual identity emerges Exactly. And so like the idea that we're judging a product from two years later and saying clearly she's bisexual when like that's not a term that was like commonplace in in culture at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that that's part of why for certain people. This movie, regardless of the number of times that fucking Banky uses the F word like and I don't think we should. Watching it again, it was so hard to watch those scenes because we've gotten so far away from being able to or from accepting the use of that word by people who aren't in the community mm-hmm. that I think part of what's hard about it is like so many of us had words like that thrown at them mm-hmm. as bullying, as threats, as violence, you know, and like to hear it so casually used in a movie by someone that I love, like... I forgot how hard that was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are times where Holden calls Banky on it and he's like, Hey, don't call her that blah, blah, blah. Um, and like calls him out for, it. but then there are other times where he just throws those words around. Like it's, yeah. it's almost like Kevin Smith isn't really paying attention to how free he feels writing these words. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think you're right that he's not really thinking about the way he's using these words because of mm-hmm. his, you know. But sometimes he thinks that he is. That's yeah. what's like, he's like, yeah. he's, he's just like, look, I'm so l- evolved. He's just like slightly too evolved for his own good. He's like a little bit better than most of the people who, do you know what I mean? I do but not exactly enough to really get there. It's like he's, but he doesn't realize that. He thinks he's like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's tough. I it's, think. Kevin Smith himself has been extremely blunt about um extremely blunt man about he's extremely blunt man and chronic about uh <laughs> his own um point of view. So he has a post on the Criterion Collection from two thousand, like three years after this movie came out, where he talks uh-huh. about this movie. Mm-hmm. And he talks about it differently now, twenty-three years later. But I would love to trace this uh, evolution. It's interesting. It really is. And like, I, this is why I say like, I, as of right now, still feel like Kevin Smith is someone that I is worthy of my admiration mm-hmm. in the fact that he seems to be listening and trying mm-hmm. to evolve his own perspectives. And like, we Good. can't really help where we started mm-hmm. in some ways. Like I know a lot of people men who I love dearly, who were very much like yeah. Kevin Smith in their views on mm-hmm. things. And I, I love them dearly. Like they're trying, they're learning, you know, we're all learning, whatever. But he says, 
Um, so this is from 2000. He says, these are the unspeakable ingrained mistruths men are brought up to believe about sex. We're dominant. We should go to bed with whores, but wake up with virgins. Those things that we're not necessarily taught, but that thanks to our patriarchal society still become a part of our conscious regard consciousness regardless. Um, so and he says, and in figuring this out, one endeavors to be above such unenlightened outlooks. So this is, he's mm-hmm. talking about how he's like, you know, whatever evolved. Yeah. These poor slobs are called 90s liberal males, and I counted myself proudly amongst their numbers until Joey, Joey Lauren Adams. And so he Mm. talks about how dating someone like her kind of uh, brought out how unevolved he was in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. I I still, I think my my biggest issue is all of that is true, and I think it's, you know, I like that he I, I like whatever. I don't know what the what the verb is there really. But he puts those words in Holden's mouth and Holden is challenged for thinking them. Yeah. But then the woman who challenges him still is attracted to him. And I just don't know how those two things can be true. <laughs> That's because he wants them to be true. Right. Right. You know, this is a wish fulfillment for him. You know, like in the end, they don't end up together. But he comes out. A but good man. Guy. He comes and out he gets financial success from it, too. Or maybe not, yeah. we don't know yet, but well, he gets... Right. He actually says it's a small run. But it's yeah. not financial success that Holden is seeking because he has creative. this comic that is pretty successful and they want to sell. Yeah. They want it to be a cartoon. But but he's, like, above that. He's, like, a real artist. He just makes this comic because it's, like, successful. But he's yep. got more important things to say. So um, Exactly. And, and I wish... You know what would really do a lot for me in this movie is if when they meet up again a year later if she does not seem so stricken by encountering him again after a year like there is pain and longing in her eyes and it shouldn't be like if she was just like oh yeah i remember we had that weird fucking relationship for a minute but but i just hate the idea that it's like he really was the one that got away from her like that's so annoying i'm trying to think if there's other things we need to address in the problematic category before we move on there is obviously the um scene where her community like kind of shits on her for dating a man Mm -hmm. um and one of them says another one bites the dust which is an Mm -hmm. oft quote line from this movie because it is like her community uh holding her to the sort of like gold star standard um and in some ways, it's – I think the hard part about that for a lot of people was just that Kevin Smith wrote it. Like, it, that actually is a reference to one of Gwen Turner's movies and a scene that she wrote um, that's a very similar scene where a, a character sleeps with a man and her friends are sort of unhappy with her about it and say that she can't call herself a lesbian because she's slept with a man. That's what so much of this, so much of the issues with this movie comes down, come down to the fact that it's was written by a straight white dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm almost like, well, the one thing Kevin Smith can't help is that he's a straight white dude. Like, yeah. So I kind of go back and forth of like, I'm going to hold his feet to the fire on all of this, obviously. But it is also kind of like, OK, well, yeah, like he is that. And. So all of these things, like no matter what, no matter how you feel about them, it still comes down to the fact that that Kevin Smith is Kevin Smith. And yeah. you can hold that against him. Or, I was going to say you can hold that against him or not, but I, I'm doing both. So, yeah. And I don't know. I think the where I came down on it was just that I'm not holding it against him. 
I am just pointing out places where he didn't see certain things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also the Hooper of it all, which is another mm-hmm. example of him, like, almost, like, almost saying some interesting things, but where I don't think he really has the, like, um, I don't know that he should be trying to. Yeah. Like, I don't really think he it's doesn't have the perspective. Him. Yeah, and but he but he just it's like he seems to really be wanting to comment on a lot of different mm-hmm. social and, issues that aren't his to comment. Yeah, and show on. how evolved and, he is. Exactly. Because yeah. it's like and I don't think that like you know, it's it's tricky to say like what perspectives is a person allowed to write from. Oh, God, In general, I, I I come down on like the voices you write should be your own, but I don't think that's always a case because then that's how you end up with movies that, like it's so complicated it is. but i just think hooper is a real miss and is almost he but he but he is also maybe my favorite character in this movie despite all that because it, this is another one where it comes down to like i think he is almost saying some things worth saying and mm-hmm. if they had come from a queer black man like if if hooper had been written by a queer black man there would be a lot more there to talk about yeah it just seems like Kevin again Kevin Smith really feels free in this movie to write from whatever perspective he wants whether he has the like yeah uh whether or not he's equipped to do so yeah and that that's hard there's a quote from um an article in the Mary in the Mary Sue um titled bisexuality and chasing Amy that's that talks to this it says Alyssa Jones story is many ways is in many ways a perfect encapsulation of biphobia in both straight and queer communities and while I think Kevin Smith is a good and thoughtful writer when he tries I think it is most mostly by accident <laughs> which is a harsh thing to say <laughs> God, but I do think that's he's brutal. But I think that, like, in some ways, he stumbles into some stuff in this that yeah. is very true to certain people's experiences that he really had no way of knowing, really, through his own experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think there's something uh, something to him stumbling into some real true things. Mm-hmm. Oh, one other thing that got a lot of flack since we're talking about Hooper was was his uh, description of lesbians. He says, like, um, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he basically says that, like, most lesbians don't look like Alyssa Jones. They look more like Holden. Uh, And I was like, okay. But this is what I mean. Like, there is division and there are you know, rifts in the queer community between different parts of it that are Mm -hmm. really, you know, sort of sometimes destructive and catty and whatever. And like, again, I feel like Kevin Smith kind of like stumbled into that. It is another one where it's like, Kevin Smith, you don't get to say that though. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I just thought, I thought we should mention that, but maybe we should move on to the, we'll leave aside the stuff that we know is problematic and we'll talk about the rest of it. Right. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie that don't age well, but mm-hmm. but I, I do, do think, think there's a lot that, to yeah. There's a lot of stuff that that meant a lot, and I think we talked a little bit about this idea of imperfect representation as still being mm-hmm. representation, you know. Um, this was so early for that kind of representation. Like I literally did a Google search of like bisexual characters in TV and film. 
almost all of them are from the last 15 years. Right. Like right. there's a couple, there's like Willow on Buffy. There's, well, I know. I, I didn't watch Buffy really. Barely... So I know. That's I could the talk thing. forever. Most of the people on this list are barely. They're yeah. barely. Willow, Willow dates Oz, the love of my life, Seth Green. And then she dates Tara, the love of my life, Amber Benson. Yeah. And we're, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't think Willow ever, Willow never uses the word bisexual. Oh. Willow is a lesbian witch who dated a boy werewolf in high school. Right. Like, you know, like you do. <laughs> like you do. But, Tale as old as time. But literally, I've been, I have a bunch of these lists and almost. These are all where like queer women, I, I, I'm going to use the word bisexual there because I think queer, like yeah. specifically women who are attracted to um, their gender and other genders are reading bisexuality into characters that were never intended to really be bisexual. Willow, I think, is a great example. Willow is a lesbian witch who dated right. a man in her past. Yeah. And it's important for queer women to find representation where they can when there was so little of it. That's exactly what Willow's I mean. Willow's a great example. Yeah. And so, like, the ones on these lists that I found that were actually, like, legit bisexual characters, there's so few that actually, mm-hmm. like, use the terminology. Like, there's um, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, Stephanie Beatrice's character. I didn't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but uh, Rosa Diaz mm-hmm. is clearly one. Um, and I think she actually does use the word bisexual out loud with her mouth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I watched, a, I think, maybe the first season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but apparently there is a character named Daryl Whitefeather who has an entire song um, called Getting By that I watched on YouTube this morning, and it's fucking hysterical. Oh, that's It's great. so cheesy. I loved it. But there just aren't any. There's Villanelle from like three years ago from Killing Eve, <laughs> who's also a murderer, a serial right, right. killer. Um, they're just, oh, Kelly Torres is the big one for me. Um, Grey's Anatomy. I did not watch Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my God. It's still on. You could start now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But like Kelly Torres starting out dating a man, ending up with a woman, but not but using the frame of bisexuality and not like that she was a lesbian who, you know, had been with a man before, but man, these lists are like so desperate to find mm-hmm. th- like options and they're all recent. They're all yeah. recent. And so yep. I don't think that you can really like underestimate the importance of something this upfront about mm-hmm. this type of sexuality, even if it does mm-hmm. use the wrong terminology and even if it does like come from maybe not the best source. Uh, if you take all of the sexuality and romance out of this movie, like it's still Kevin Smith being f- like, like there, I had some genuine laughs. I did. I was worried that wasn't going to be the case. And sadly, a lot of them come from Banky. I know. There's some really good lines. Kevin Smith is, uh, you, you said uh, at the beginning of this episode, the like, that Kevin Smith is, Kevin Smith is really interested in and often writing about like homosocial relationships. Yeah. And it's so annoying that Holden, that, that it does turn out that Banky, I, maybe, I don't know. I, it's hard to say whether or not. No, I'm with you. I think it's way too easy. 
um, to say that like Benki is in love with Holden and whatever. Um, but I do think it's interesting and it's like, I think where Kevin Smith often shines is in writing those relationships is in writing friendships. Mm-hmm. So many of his movies are about two dudes hanging out together and various like, you know, like Jay and Silent Bob, who who are he says, like you know, they refer to each other as their hetero heterosexual life mates. Um, yes, not in this movie, but in general, and I think that's really sweet. And and Holden and, and Banky, there's a version of them that isn't so fraught that is nice. And like Bartleby and Loki and Dogma, like he he really loves to write two men hanging out together. And I think that's something I'm still happy to see him do. Dante, um, Randall, and Dante, like. Yes. Yes, lots of pairs of men that are life partners and clearly in love, but, mm-hmm. you know. But maybe platonically, I, I think it... Yeah, well, so Kevin Smith has said that he is bi-curious, but not brave <laughs> enough to commit. So, you know, stupid. I think so that, that is... Stupid. I know, I know, <laughs> but it's also all of his characters. yeah. Yeah. It's all of them. But, and that's what I mean. Like, And those are the characters who feel the most real yeah. and are the ones that I love the most. And it's like, yeah. yeah, this is why, like, when we say write what you know, this is why. This is why. Because I don't, because, like, it's it's fine if, if Jay and, and, like, Jay and Silent Bob are a little problematic in the way they talk to each other. Because they're coming from a real place in mm-hmm. a way that, that Alyssa and Holden don't feel like they're coming from a real place. Right. Right. Yeah. No, 100%. A hundred percent. I think that that is really where, and I think it's why a lot of the guys that we know and are still friends with that may have sounded like these guys when we knew them attach themselves to Kevin Smith because there's a more sensitive, but version of masculinity that still has that like bravado, but is also gushy and sweet under the surface for the other men in their life that like, I think a lot of the guys we know relate to. Yeah. Well, and I think we could be like, speaking for men. <laughs> well, I think that like I always joke. I'm like I'm 37 years old and now I suddenly have like a group of like middle-aged straight white dudes that I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. with. And it's because I think there is like that that's exactly it. There's like a and it now we're kind of painting Kevin Smith in that slightly more enlightened way where I'm like, well, it's a spectrum. Right. <laughs> straight straight male friendships are a spectrum but like so is the level of enlightenment of certain groups of people you know exactly and so yeah it's funny there's been this discourse lately somebody posted did you see the the tiktok um post or any of the conversation around it about the woman crying because she invited 20 of her boyfriend's male friends to his party and none of them would go no no, I'm on I'm on uh, underground mind girl TikTok right now <laughs> that I still need to get you caught up on. <laughs> this yes, please. And eel pit TikTok. <laughs> this showed up on my Instagram, so it could have happened weeks ago. The way that like the, yeah. the trickle down effect there, but but she invited. She's she was crying because she couldn't believe that like none of his friends would show up for him, and so many dudes in the replies, and so many since. I mean, other people too, but we're like, that's just men. Like, we don't talk to each other about anything. We don't show up for each other, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I was surprised at how many people responded that way because most of the men I know, like, would, like, do show up for each other and would be there. And Kevin Smith boys. Yeah. And and I guess that's 
interestingly, like that's that is, I guess, the difference. And I was surprised to be like, I always think that's the stereotype that men are stoic and don't want to talk to each other about their feelings and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But if you really get down to it, men are <laughs> so nice of me and so enlightened of me to say, like, men can be complicated, too, you know? <laughs> like, men can be in touch with their feelings, too, if we let them. Oh, but apparently, like, there is something to that. Yeah. And, and I think that maybe it has to do with the most of the men that I know being raised on a diet of Kevin Smith movies. Like maybe, I don't know. It's like a permission structure for being like sappy with your friends. Yeah. You know, it's a different way of looking at male friendship that was not as common pre Kevin Mm -hmm. Smith that I can see. Yeah, Um, totally. That's very interesting. I think it's a really good thing, honestly. Yeah, of course. Like, I think that in some ways I read somewhere, I have so many articles that I pulled up that I don't know where I found this, but I, I definitely read somewhere about how Banky is this like interesting in between way for guys who are like super insensitive and like use homophobic slurs to also see themselves as like able to evolve <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think we're giving a lot of credit here now, but like, I, it just, I think that is, is an example of a type of both of them are Holden and Banky of mm-hmm. a sort of man on the way maybe to something better. Yeah. You know, Banky is, yeah. Banky Slower, is really tough. Yeah. He is really tough because it's like, there are moments it's all, if we could take the homophobic language out of it, if we could just take how he is he's still with, a lazy perv. He's still, he's still a lazy perv, but he is I on the one hand, Banky is more redeemable to me if he is not gay or queer, because there are moments where he says like you know, his his issue with Alyssa is he's worried she's going to get in the way of what he and Holden have built together. And Holden says, like, yeah. she's not going to get in the way of the comic. And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. And it's kind of, like, almost sweet to be, like, so protective of his relationship with his best friend. Especially because I – here's something else. Banky is not wrong. Alyssa does get in the way. The second – before they're even dating, she's like, oh, I wanted to come visit. He bails on a work commitment. Yeah immediately yeah. for this woman who and it's, he's not her fault no no it's he's Holden's just ready fault. to yeah totally totally and so banky's kind of right there um yeah but then what i can't excuse is how homophobic he is if he is just somebody who is really protective of this friendship he has with another man but then also i hate that trope of like, because then it's like, well, can I excuse the homophobia if it turns out that it's actually like an an expression of his like inward insecurity as a closeted yeah man? And again, as I've already said in this episode, and I've said a million times before, like I don't have patience for that kind of uh, like v- making a villain out of a queer person because of self hatred. I hate that. Yeah. So again, I think every character in this movie, depending on the lens you kind of look through while you're watching them the problematic issues shift and change and the redeeming qualities shift and change and you just kind of have to decide where you want to land with them and for the most part i want to land on banky as an asshole mm-hmm. <laughs> like... yeah totally okay so last night when i was watching this movie and kind of freaking out about having to talk about <laughs> all of the difficult 
things in it that we have addressed. I found something that made me feel a lot better. Um, so I want to talk now about uh, Chasing Chasing Amy, <laughs> which is a very recent, still in the film festival circuit documentary uh, produced by or created, written and created by Sav Rogers, a filmmaker who is, I believe, late 20s, maybe early 30s, but I pretty young. Um, and it came out of a TED talk that he gave. I don't know. Did you watch this TED talk? I didn't watch the TED talk. No. Okay. So he gave a TED talk in, I think, 2018 about how much this movie meant to him as a queer kid growing up in Kansas City, Missouri. I think it was Missouri. It was either Kansas City, Missouri or Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, <laughs> and how because of his lack of access to queer media of any kind, he had never been able to picture a different kind of life, right? And how mm-hmm. literally this movie, he said, he watched it. There was a period of time where he watched it every day for 30 days. Um, and in the TED Talk, he also says, to be fair, I did not know there were other gay movies. Like, <laughs> he's quite funny. Um, uh-huh. And so this documentary starts out with um, him and his now wife, like, visiting the locations in the movie, um, because of this TED Talk, Kevin Smith made himself available to him. And so it evolves into a documentary that includes people from the film. So it includes interviews with Kevin That's Smith. Cool. It includes interviews with Joey Lauren Adams. And there's a... I haven't seen it because it is still on the film festival circuit. But I've read reviews of it and I've read interviews with Sav. And um, there is a moment in the middle of the movie where he, as a filmmaker during an interview with Joey Lauren Adams is forced to sort of reckon with uh, the more real life side of making movies in the Mm nineties and her experience Mm -hmm. as his girlfriend at the time in a movie that was ostensibly about them. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what was revealed in that interview. Apparently it's a, a moment where Sav had to like really pause and be like, like reorient himself Right. To the whole story. Um, it's also a personal story about him and his, like, path and his wife and all of that. I am dying to see this movie. I just missed yeah. a showing of it at Emerson a month ago. Ah. Um, but I am really, really excited that... Because it felt really validating to me personally that there was a <laughs> queer kid from another generation, like, beyond your generation, yeah. younger than both of us that had a similar relationship to this movie because of a lack of access to other things, Mm -hmm. right? Sav, because growing up where he grew up, you know, in the community he grew up in, he didn't see other things. Me, because Mm -hmm. of the time frame, there weren't other things necessarily that I knew about. Right. Um, But I'm so, so excited that this is a thing that exists. Yeah, we'll definitely have to, when we can, get our hands on it, um, watch it, and maybe revisit this topic. Yeah. I mean, this is what I mean when I say that I appreciate Kevin Smith for his willingness to listen, because Mm -hmm. he didn't have to be a part of this, and it does not paint him in a nice light for a lot of it. Like, it does Mm -hmm. talk about how, you know, the problematic parts of it, but also the way his relationship with Joey Lauren Adams, you know was not necessarily a positive part of this film for anyone. That is truly fascinating. Yeah. 
he, so there was an interview with Sav in uh, Entertainment Weekly where he says, Kevin had zero defensiveness in our interview process. He was very open with me in a way that was refreshing, talking about the complicated feelings towards the film. And apparently at the end, um, I think Sav was like apologizing for taking up so much of his time or something. And Kevin apparently said to him, like, you gave me my movie back. Oh, like that almost I made mean, me cry. Like, <laughs> although, I know. here we go again, Kev. I know. Here we He's go. Being saved you by have the to stop person. letting queer people save you. I know. I know. I know. I know. But, but no. But I'll bet. Yeah, that's but obviously like, this is a more real and complicated version of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so I, would, I was doing a little joke. I there. know. <laughs> but I highly recommend recommend watching the TED Talk while the movie is still inaccessible because it does. I'll link to that in our show notes. Yeah. Of course. Um, he, it's called the rom-com that saved my life. Um, and there was a, something he said in this that really was like punching a punch in the stomach. He said, um, he's talking about when he was growing up and bullying and he says, see, it sucks when everyone else knows you're queer before you do, because then you don't have mm-hmm. anything else to protect yourself with. Yep. And I just was like, that was just, uh, so everybody should yeah, watch that's a that. Real one. Watch the, if you, if you, Yeah. I, it really, I am still thinking about it. Um, so I highly recommend when this, uh, documentary becomes more widely available, it's gotten really good responses at the film festivals that it's been at. Um, it's cool. Yeah. I'm super excited. It's like a bigger, it's not just about this movie. It's, it's a bigger, Mm -hmm. like, um, conversation about representation and about the evolution of sort of queer language and queer culture. I'm like super excited. Yeah. I can't wait to, to find a way to watch that. I know I searched all over the place. It's not available. <laughs> not yet. Eventually anyway. I'm sure we'll be able to. Yeah. Yeah. What's our Jersey connection in this? <laughs> it's hard to find. <laughs> It's hard to find. Man, that's what I, this, there's that scene when he, when Holden realizes that, um, that Alyssa is a Jersey girl and they go back and forth. He just shouts out a few different towns and she talks about the different, like, I thought that was, yeah, there's man smoking in a diner. Everybody is smoking all over this movie. Oh my God. I know. Smoking everywhere. The moment you see the moment that. Alyssa falls in love with Holden officially is when she's struggling to light her cigarette and he takes the lighter and pulls out the yep. safety. And then she like, yep. she's like, Oh, I, I thought this guy was an idiot the whole time, but it turns out he's slightly capable. I guess I love him now. Oh my God. I know. It's so true. So that might be the Jersey oh. connection in this movie. It's all of the, <laughs> all the diner smoking. I will say this made me want to go back and rewatch, um, Jay and silent Bob strike back and dogma. Just to mm-hmm. see, like, because I've I've rewatched Clerks and Mallrats in the last five years. Um, yeah, same. I think I rewatched Mallrats because of New Jersey is the world. Same. Um, and so, and I still haven't seen Clerks three. I'm like, I feel like I, I should. Either, I feel and like I, I should. Yeah, I I do. I need to. I'm just you know. I think it got okay reviews from people who are fans of Kevin Smith. I think. I just, um, you know, there's a magic to some of the earlier ones that I I feel like. Yeah. I really like Clerks 2. It feels, it's a different, it like doesn't, it, I know it is directly involved with this universe, obviously. Like it's literally the suit, but it feels, 
it does feel different, but I, I don't dislike that movie. I don't either. I've only seen it like once or twice though. And the other ones I've seen like a hundred times. And even Dogma, I've seen multiple times. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I've seen multiple times. Mm -hmm. I I do think that like once he got to Clerks 2 and now Clerks 3, I was kind of like, it's almost like when you go home for the holidays and you see your high school friends and you're like, oh my God, you're like an insurance salesman and you have no hair. And like, (laughs) you know, it's just, it reminds you of your own mortality a little bit. It's like, wait, if you're this old, uh oh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh oh. So, um, you know, looking at like Jason Mewes now, I'm like, I don't, I can't. Like, I know. I was your age. Now I'm your yeah, age. It, <laughs> I was your age and now I'm your age. Yeah, it is, it is, it is tough. I eventually I'll watch it. I do think also at some point in the show, we might just have to do a full Kevin Smith series. I know. This movie made me want to go back and watch and think about all of, all of the I other know. movies. I agree. So so maybe we'll get there. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Jason Mewes is 49. He's a little older than me, God. but not much. I just listened to him on... I prob- he was on I'm, Pete Holmes' think, podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's so lovely. I love Jason Mewes so much. I know. He... I Like, I forget what a sort of rough start he had in life. Yeah. That interview really on uh, You Made It Weird. Yeah. He he talks a lot about his, his childhood. And, and his mom. And his mom. And it is... Yeah. It is, it's a tough listen, but he is so lovely. He really is. Yeah. I know. I have such, I mean, I have such love. Wait, how did I not know this? What? What? I know there's, I know there's cameos in this movie, right? You see Matt Damon, you see Brian mm-hmm. O'Halloran, you know, Dante mm-hmm. as the two executives. Did you know that Casey Affleck was the little kid he showed porn he's- to? No, he's not the little kid he shows porn to. Little kid is the wrong credit for him. Okay, I what saw is that he? they credit him that way. He's the kid at the beginning who, when um, when they're like busting on him for being a tracer, he oh. calls the kid in line behind him. Okay, and is like, "What do you think? You know, what would you call somebody who? He's that guy." Got yeah. it. Okay, because I didn't realize that Casey Affleck was credited in this movie. That's funny. Yeah, it's weird that they credit him as little kid because he's cle- he's like clearly 16 or 17 he's a guy that's okay that makes more sense yeah yeah because ben affleck is in his 20s yeah this movie did really well though the budget was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it grossed over 12 million in theaters that's amazing yeah and i mean mall rats was notoriously uh a flop in industry terms not not to uh, us not in our no, lives but no of course not no it's the blockbuster of my heart yeah um Kevin Smith becomes a better filmmaker as the movies go on. And I do think that actually kind of loses some of the some of what we're talking about with these later movies. It kind of is the like lack of scrappiness with bigger budgets and all of that. But I will say there's not like in terms of like filmmaking, there's not really anything interesting (laughs) going on in Jason Amy. He's He's, not like he's not an artistic like director when it comes to yeah. framing or any of that it's just pretty like he points a camera at people and gives them words yeah i think he's way more interested in the story he's telling than how it's being and the language told. like yeah totally to- in a in a way that like he is we didn't really talk about this too much but boy this movie it's funny because he does it clerks and Mallrats and dogma as well he there are monologues in these movies but yeah. i think like i said this is the first one where he's really trying to like quote unquote say something those monologues are it's like it's funny when it's you know jason lee like 
like oh god i hate that the stink palm is the first thing oh god (laughs) but it's like it's funny to apply these long monologues to really trivial bullshit yeah but then you get to chasing amy and people are talking so much and so seriously and it feels like you can feel kevin smith you can feel how young he is Mm -hmm. when he's making chasing amy in those monologues and how he's like i'm writing yeah you know it, it, it is yeah yeah, those it's monologues tough. are funny when they're like, you know, Dante at the counter at Clerks, like, you know, spewing off about something, about like the milk ladies or something, you know, it, yeah, some little exactly. observation. But yeah, no, it definitely changes when he's trying to pontificate about love and life. And yeah, that's what I love so much is him applying intense scrutiny to nonsense. Yeah. Like then it's great. Yeah. But the second you try to be that intense and thoughtful about something real, I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right, Kev. You're 27. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's, let's just relax a little bit. Yeah. Not that 27 year olds can't have deep feelings, but. He just, you know, he was still cooking, I think. Yeah. And I think he knows he was still cooking. Yeah. I have a feeling, again, I haven't seen Dogman in a very long time, and that was, when I was younger, probably my favorite of the movies. And I bet that same issue where when I was 14, like 13 or 14, I thought it was really clever, those scenes, and he was being really, like, cool and subversive about religion. I'm going to bet that when I go back and watch Dogma again, I'm going to struggle in a similar way. But maybe not, because he's Uh, a few years older at that point. Not much. Yeah. I do think that... It's, it's some of that is going to be in there, you know, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Some of that is in me too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So solved. Case closed. (laughs) Case closed. I feel like I learned something. Yeah, me too. I feel like I learned something. I found a lot of great information, a lot of great perspectives, Mostly valid ones, not reactionary. Like, I found a lot of really intelligent discussion about this movie that I was pleased to find. And I was excited to find that documentary. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about that until I can get my hands on it. So Yeah, I was like, like, like you were, about 15 minutes in, I was like, oh no, oh no. Mm-hmm. Like, should we even do this movie? Right. But I'm glad we did. Yeah, me too. I'm glad we did. We'll have a lot of, uh, maybe not a lot, but we will have some links in the description about, like, a link to the trailer for Chasing Chasing Amy would be great, and the TED Talk. Oh, yeah, I'll absolutely link to all of that. Yeah. Um, so you guys can also do your do your reading up if you need um, yeah. some more to think about with this movie. And let us know, was this, because I know that some of our listeners are from New Jersey is the world, and, like... Mm-hmm. I'm curious about people's take on this and other Kevin Smith movies now that you're in your like 30s and 40s, as most of them are like, or people that encountered it later. Like, is it a generational thing? Like, can you see this when you're not at that like important age, you know, that important life period where that's so meaningful and still get something out of it? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you know what? that you just made me realize um if you are interested in hearing me and jody talk more about kevin smith movies one of our first maybe our first recorded conversation was about mall um yeah new jersey's the world we did mention did do on the live stream uh mall live stream like uh 
not watch along, but like react. Like I think the topic was is Mallrats good? Yeah. Um, and and you and I definitely talked about the like representation of female sexuality in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a really fun er, early days of New Jersey is the world. Yeah. Conversation. I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll I'll link to I can't link directly to it because it's behind the paywall. Yeah. But I'll link to the New Jersey is the world Patreon. Um, if you're interested in hearing hearing that. Cool. Jody, I have one more thing before we tell folks what we're watching next week. And we got my favorite email to date last week. Oh, yes. This is also my favorite email that maybe it we've ever received. Truly so happy. So one of our listeners, hey, Barry, um, <laughs> sent us an email uh, sharing um, some uh, container store finds and creations. Obsessed. Uh, I would love i think we mentioned it on one episode early on that we're both obsessed with the container store and asked for for folks to send us pictures i think or maybe i just told you i was going to send you pictures jody when i went to the container store that day i think both Um, may have happened actually that's probably true and so if just like once a week we could get an email from a listener um with pictures of um their organization habits and hacks yeah their favorite convenient uh container store finds yeah you know um that would be great because I really, that really, favorite, favorite email. Um, maybe we'll start a spinoff podcast. About the container store. <laughs> About the container store. I mean, I did go to Ikea this week in a sort of, you know, sub-container store experience, but still pleasing for my organizational needs. It just feels good. It does. It does. So I'm actually going to go thank you. build Ikea furniture after this. That I bought. Ooh, brag. I know. I'm excited. Barry, you're our VIP. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for that email. That was delightful. Speaking of delightful. Yeah. Next week is your, is technically your pick. Which is, none of this means anything this month, yeah. but. Nope. Um, I'm so excited that we're doing this. I might cry though. This might be the first time I cry on our podcast. Well, it's about time because I think I, I cried almost every week. I so. know. I cry in private. Um. <laughs> okay, <Georgie. laughs> it wasn't a judgment it was actually just a sad admission <laughs> i also cry in private <laughs> so next week is christmas obviously um uh i think that <sighs> something that andrea and i agree on is that the muppets are extremely important so um, important so important um really vital part of my growing up mm-hmm. um you know probably also my present but much i mean i grew up watching the muppet show constantly like i mm-hmm. remember sitting on the floor in front of the tv watching the muppet show with my parents mm-hmm. like all of the muppet movies were a big deal to me but the thing that was the biggest deal to totally. me that i was shocked that a lot of people didn't know about when i was growing up was Emma Otter's Drug Band Christmas. And the people that I've met in my life that also love Emma Otter, I feel like I'm bonded to forever because of that. Like, <laughs> l- literally, I have a friend who I met in 2005 who every year sends me like Emmett Otter memes around Christmas time. And that's one of the only times we speak all year. Like, it's so funny. I love that. Yeah. One of my friends just showed her sense. daughter the movie for the first time. Her daughter's like four. And she sent me, like, a a video of her daughter, like, dancing to the music on the couch. And I lost my shit. Yeah. That's so sweet. I can't. 
You watch it every year, right? Yes. I have since so I was a I, small child. I love I love this movie very much, of course. I just haven't seen it in a very long time, so I'm excited. Um, You're going to cry. Back. Of course I am. Um, um, I'm I'm so ready. Oh, where do we watch this one? Um, I think it might be on Amazon. Oh, it's um free if you have it's well free, but on Amazon Prime you can watch it without It's free on Amazon Prime. It's also extremely short. This is not a full-length movie. My mom and I watched this movie every year growing up together. Um, it's got, I would argue, some of the best music totally. in any Muppet or other, like, movie of this genre. I mean, like, there's some great music in, um, like, the Muppet movie and things like that. But the music in this movie... Paul Williams. Watch this. Oh my god, it's amazing! It's amazing. Also, if you watch it on Amazon Prime, you won't find the bloopers. I don't think so. I'll link. I'm gonna link to the bloopers in this episode so that you can remember to watch them for next week. Watch the movie first, I guess. It doesn't really matter. No, definitely Um, watch the movie first because the movie is so like sincere and like just such a little bundle of perfect time capsule. Then watching the bloopers to remind yourself of who made this shit is the best. That's a a really good point. But I'll link to them in this episode notes just so you have them. Yeah. Um, And uh, they they changed my life when I saw them. My feet are stapled. (laughs) The bloopers are such a good example. I've said this a few times over the course of, of this show of like, there are certain things that you put in a blender to get my personality. Yeah. And not... Jugman Christmas doesn't really go in the blender, but the bloopers absolutely do. Yeah. 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 For me, it's both. But the bloopers are extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who so are good. we, Ma? <laughs> I love. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I know. I'm, I'm so really excited, excited to, to talk about this. It's uh, a very short movie. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what our conversation is even going to be about, but I will. we'll find out when we get there. I mean... Yeah, I just think it's worth talking about since we're doing our our favorites. I'm sure we'll find some weird minutia to to pick apart and obsess over for an hour. For I'm sure, not, I have no doubt. I'm not worried. If you listeners want to let us know ahead of time if this is a movie you've seen and loved, if you have memories of watching it or anything you want to share, um, shoot us an email, watcherspod and j at gmail dot com, and let us know, and we'll share them in the episode next week. Yeah, if you send them to us before next. Uh, Next Sunday, just to give you a, an idea of how quick our turnaround is. One of my uh, favorite, like, right before COVID memories was Christmas of 2019. Mm-hmm. They re-released this in the theater and paired it with, like, a Fraggle Rock Christmas, I think. Oh, my God. And I went to see it I... with my best friend and her husband and a couple of friends. And I have never looked happier than I was sitting in that movie theater watching it on the big screen with people like singing a lot. I mean, it was. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm bummed I didn't know. It was about an amazing that. That experience. Amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. We'll see you next week for that. Um, like I said, email us watcherspotnj at gmail. Find us on Instagram at watcherspotnj. Jody, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Jody underscore Mim, J O D I E underscore M I M. And I'm at AQ Andrea Q. We will see you. Where are we going to see you? We'll see you on the river. 